another episode of the You Down with OVP podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm joined as always by James. I think this is our first podcast where we're both in our new houses, right? It is. Yep. Yeah. How's your new house going for you? It's going awesome, man. Uh, the neighborhood's fantastic. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're finally feeling like we've kind of got everything moved in. The kids love it. They have so much more space. It gets four stars from the, the James uh, James Hair Review. How about Four you? out of four or four out of five? Four out of five. Come on. Four out we, of five. Everything can't, everything can't be all uh, wine and roses. All right. All right. And yourself? Yeah, we're really loving our house. Um, we like our neighborhood as well. We live a block away from a park, so we we walk around the park almost every day. And I love to go there to play soccer. It's awesome. You going to get a dog? We are going to get a dog, yeah. We haven't got a dog yet, but uh, the plan is to get one at some point, but we're not going to rush it. Nice, yeah, and then we can shamelessly, you can shamelessly plug him. The internet loves dogs. We'll... we'll... Our, our viewership will skyrocket with our new mascot. So uh, <laughs> jumping into it, right? Because the viewers want one thing and one thing only from us besides our playful banter. They want fantasy baseball talk. So tonight, uh, what we're going to do to the, the faithful viewership, if you're interested, we're going to break down a couple trends that we're seeing in baseball. I'm sure you've noticed them already, but we're going to be looking at the bats, right? Just in average, what's going on with the bats? There's a lot of different theories going around um, why we're seeing a drop in in slugging and, and, and hitting in general. So we're going to crack into that a little bit. We are going to touch base on Nick's waiver wire article. We're going to pick out a couple names that I thought were interesting, and we are going to talk about them. Uh, we're going to hit on people like Ramon Laureano, Royce Lewis, and Jorge Mateo, uh, amongst others breakouts we're going to talk about a couple guys that we've seen who are breaking out and what's going on with them can we count on it is it legitimate where's the breakout coming from we're going to touch on the opposite side of that spectrum we're going to look at the underachievers now they're probably a little bit more practical in the fantasy baseball sense because maybe you can buy them low but hey if you're the type of person that likes to sell high let's look at those breakouts obviously and then lastly, with batting average and the bats being what they are, we're going to take a look at a couple of folks who might be able to rise your batting average. Um, does that just about cover it, Mick? Yep. Let's get right into it. Perfect. Let's talk about what is going on with hitting. So why, why don't you give us a little context? I'm sure everybody already knows, but just before we jump into it, what's going on with the bats? What are we seeing? How different is it from last year and years past? I'm pretty sure if I didn't say it on the pod that I said it to you off mic, but I was like, surely we're done with ball issues, right? Surely. But it does seem like it, it might be a new ball. And also there's the situation of the humidor in every single stadium affecting things. It's also been really cold uh, in the Northeast and the Midwest. Um, but yeah, hitting is down. Uh, and it's not just because it is. It, it's April and May. Hitting is down. Uh, batting average is down from 244 to 233 from last year. So 11 points. Uh, that will go up as it gets hotter. But the big thing has really been slugging. Slugging is down about 40 or 50 points. And the balls just aren't traveling as far. Off the bat, they have similar or even better uh, exit velocity from what I've heard. But they slow down. And uh, I guess that's called drag. What's happening is these these balls have drag. They're, you know, they're getting pulled back. 
um, for whatever reason, whether it's higher seams or the humidity of the ball, density of the ball. Man, I just wish we could be done talking about the ball and the unpredictability of the ball in baseball. Yeah, what is it now? Is that three years in a row? It seems like we're looking at a different ball, right? Yeah, so, at least. At yeah, least. Yeah, it's no good. You know, I'm all for making changes. I like some of the changes that we, we made this year. but and, and I'm not one of those purists that thinks we need to keep things the same to have consistency and statistics and stuff like that. But, man, just quit fucking with the baseball, right? Let's just have a baseball that is nor go back to the yeah. freaking original ball that we were using yeah. before they started tinkering with all this nonsense make Take, changes elsewhere you know um if you don't want as many home runs or something push back the fences um but leave the ball alone um, yeah. along with the ball the way the game is trending with uh relief pitching and with having starters come out sooner having specialists come in sooner. The fact that nowadays your average relief pitcher is throwing like 96 miles an hour. Um, and these guys, instead of facing maybe, you know, one pitcher going five, six, seven innings, and then two pitchers after that, they're, they're, they're seeing some guy who threw 95 at him, then some guy who throws 96, some lefty that throws some nasty breaking ball and also 97 and then the closer. So, um, I think that the the trends that the managers are learning about probably tend to favor the pitching over the hitting, too. And I like the general idea that they're trying to make it better for the fans, but I don't know what fans clamoring for some ball to die on the vine um, when it gets hit with an absurd launch angle and an absurd exit velocity, and then it, it stops before the warning track, and you feel like an idiot because you're like, oh, shit, that thing's out of the park. Yeah. And then it gets caught, um, you know, by a lazy left fielder or something. So we'll touch on that a little bit later in the article, too. But that's definitely something to keep an eye out for and and to consider when you're making your in-season moves and about what's going on. And, hell, for all we know, it kind of messes with everybody because I wouldn't put it past the MLB to make a change in-season where all of a sudden we start seeing these balls fly out of the park. Um, and, hell, I'd be happy they did it, even though I, <laughs> I want some consistency. But yeah. let's make that the final change. Right. Um, Okay, so the waiver wire article you mentioned uh, on there a couple interesting folks, and for any of the people at home listening, if you didn't check it out, go check out Mick's article. You done with OBP um, on Twitter? He he does the, the killing it over there, and I love the way uh, you're writing the articles too. I like the the tone of them. Um, I wanted to ask about George Kirby. So a lot of people probably don't have him on their radar yet. Um, can you give us a little breakdown of George Kirby, and then I might pick your brain a couple times about him? Yeah, George Kirby is a prospect, and Seattle Mariners have a lot of good pitching prospects. Um, Matt Brash obviously started the year in the rotation, but Brash always had a walk problem. Um, in the in both minor league stops last year, he had double-digit walk percentage, and then in the majors this year, he had a 17.9 walk percentage. Just not to say that Brash won't be successful. Uh, in the majors, but he got sent back down and he's going to work on his craft a little bit more. Um, he's kind of like, he could be like a Robbie Ray guy who figures out, if he figures out his control, could have a lot of success. But anyway, George Kirby is sort of the opposite of that. He's always been a guy who's known for his command. Uh, he had a 5.4% walk rate at double A, and that's pretty much where he's always been. He's been around 5 or 6%. So we're talking about 
uh, half or even a third of what Brash has done. But yeah, so I'll stop bashing on Brash. <laughs> and and Kirby, he's along with his command, he's got a great fastball. That's his number one pitch, and it's 96. I think uh, Eno Sarah says once you get over 95, it used to be 94, but once you get over 95, that's another level. So the difference between 93 and 95 is way bigger than the difference between you know 95 or 96 and 98. You know what I mean? It's that once you get over 94, 95, you you tend to have a lot more success for for whatever reason. It's just harder for the the batters. But Kirby has that great fastball, great movement. It's called a four seamer, but it kind of has arm side movement that kind of goes away from his arm. So it kind of looks like a sinker. He got 48% strikes and whiffs, call strikes plus whiffs, CSW, in his first game on that fastball. He's got four pitches, so he's got a slider, a changeup, and a curve. The slider was the one that he used um, second most in his debut, which was really solid. Uh, Six scoreless innings. He gave up four singles, no extra base hits, and no walks, striking out seven. So absolutely a must-add. And the fact that he's only rostered in 53% of Yahoo leagues is still too low. He did jump from double-A to the majors, but um, I think that's less of a deal anymore. So, uh, yeah, first off, I'm excited to talk about him because I will freely admit that he wasn't exactly on my radar. So a couple things jumped out to me, but the first thing I want to ask is, who, who do you do it against? The Rays. So good competition. Perfect. Yeah, and honestly, like, if you're doing it against big league pitching, it shouldn't necessarily really matter that much one time, you know, one team versus the other, because a lot of times for these guys, as we all know, they can dominate whatever, you know, double A, triple A, and then they get up to the bigs and and they have control issues because they're messing up, they're overthinking it, they get whacked or crushed, and then they kind of fall apart and and it takes them a little while to adjust. Same thing with the batters and the, and the big league pitching. And then the other question I had, or the other thing I should say that jumped out to me was that he went six innings in, in his first start. You know, we're, we're in the age where these guys are just getting heavily, heavily, you know, managed as far as how many pitches they're allowed to throw, how many innings they're going to go in the year. And um, I'm just curious, how, how many pitches did he throw in the six innings? I think it was... 74 and okay so 74 so they didn't they didn't let him get up into the 90s which you know makes sense so 81 sorry 81 okay 81 still not in the 90s so they probably still had him on a leash but i I, what i was curious about was hey he went six innings was that a matter of his efficiency or was that a matter matter of the management of him and just thinking quickly from what you told me a guy who doesn't walk a lot of people, a guy who's got a good swing strike rate on the strikes, it sounds like he might be able to replicate a couple six-inning, seven-inning outings where he keeps it under 90 pitches. I mean, we're not going to see that all the time, but do you think it's fair to say he might be able to, for those, and I ask this specifically, for those in quality starts leagues, you know, where he might be able to get you a couple quality starts, you might not be sacrificing that category? Yeah, I think so. I think that he is a true starting pitcher. You know what I mean? Um, and I think we're in an era where a lot of pitchers, their manager has them go out there knowing full well that they'll probably be taken out after four or five innings. You know, the Rays do this so much, um, and that can really hurt you in a quality starts league. And I just feel like uh, there's certain organizations, there's certain managers who are letting their guys go six innings 
And I do think that Kirby could be one of those guys. I guess the the main concern you could have is just an innings cap because last year he pitched um, 67.2 innings in the in the minors, so not all that many. I'm not sure if that was injury-related or what. But I think there could be an innings cap, but do they get to that innings cap? I mean, does it five innings, six innings? We might see fewer starts as opposed to fewer times letting him go six or seven innings. That makes sense, especially if he, he's able to keep it in the strike zone and he's not walking people. He's not he's not adding those extra pitches. You know, Absolutely. You know, he, he sounds like he's the kind of guy that does it for you. Um, and the other thing I would say, too, is obviously it's more a, it's more important when it's a quality starts league. But if you got a guy going six innings versus three or four, he's more likely to get you that W2 a lot of the time just from a, a fact that he doesn't pitch and then there's six more innings to go where the game can swing in one direction or yeah. the other. Um, and just getting to five. You know, like some guys, like you're not sure they're going to get to five. They could go four and two-thirds, you know, and then outcomes – uh, Kevin Cash from the Rays dugout and he's pulling you because he wants to bring in a lefty or whatever, you know? So I just think that um, there'll be less cases like that. And to bring up Brash again, he wants to strike you out, right? He has this elite strikeout stuff, but thro- trying to throw a strikeout takes up more pitches. You know, if you get a ground ball on the first pitch, that's one pitch. If you try to strike someone out and it goes to a three, two count, that's seven pitches minimum, Right. Six pitches minimum, sorry. Um, and there could be foul balls and things like that. No, it makes total sense to me. It's always fun to root for the young guys, too. And it's early in the season that they have him up. So it sounds like, you know, obviously you mentioned the context of why he's up, but clearly they also have faith in the guy. And, um, hey, if he's got an innings cap and what it means is that he's going to be done in, in July or August or something, or they're going to the, – the danger, I guess, would be that they – they don't cut him off early, but more they give him space in between starts or something like that. And then maybe you're, you're holding the guy that um, isn't producing necessarily. But right. it's definitely worth a, a, a swing at. And I think also, especially if you can be in a league um, that gives you some leniency with year to year, then then he's a guy you definitely want to scoop up. Jumping on to the next guy, is, we're going to talk about Ramon Laureano. So... I like Ramon Laureano. You know me. I'm always looking for those 2020 guys or, you know, 25, 25. Who knows with him? Um, And he's an interesting case, too, right, where um, it was a suspension is is why he didn't play. So he hasn't put together a really a full season. So we don't know exactly what he's capable of. But it's not really necessary injury concerns or anything. It's just kind of a couple odd things back to back. Um, where are you at with Ramon Laureano? Do you think, you know, do you, well, for one, what was, do you know what his drug was that he was suspended for? No, I don't remember off the top of my head what the drug was. Yeah. I meant more of like, you know, Hey, is it a HGH or is it like like an Adderall or something? I don't know. You know, no, it it was, uh, something about recovering quick or something like that from his injury. Yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, where are you at with Ramon Laureano? Do you think he's a must-add? I would say that. If he's available in the league, you say go get him right now. Uh, Close to it. I would say close to it. I looked at him and I wrote him up for the article, and it made me more interested in than I was before. Um, 
when I took out when I did his per 162 game stats, which you can find on Baseball Reference, um, it came out to a 25-15 season. The the problem is he's never had a full season. But like you said, it's been kind of some weird stuff. Like 2019, he might have started the year as a not a full-time player. He might have had some injuries in there. I'm not sure. Then there was 2020, which was a shortened season, um, and he had 222 plate appearances. That was the shortened season. That's about as best as he could have done. And then last year, he had some injury. He had a suspension because he got in a fight at first base. And then, of course, he had the the suspension. So, yeah, obviously 378 plate appearances last year. He has a just around a 800 OPS career. With a 261 average. So if you combine that with the fact that he is giving you 25 homers and 15 steals um, in his career based on per 162 averages, he's he's that type of guy who's basically, yes, he's not in the best lineup and no, he's not in the best home park. But if he's batting first or second for the A's, he's going to help you in runs. He's not going to hurt you in home runs. He's going to help you in steals. Uh, so, yeah pretty much should be rostered in every league. Yeah, I was going to say, in my opinion, he's, he's a must-add. You go out and get him if you can get him. And he's 27, and the past two years, like you said, there's been some weird shit going on that we haven't really got to see him. So I forget what they say nowadays. I'm sure it keeps trending lower and lower, but 27 is typically a pretty good age for a lot of this. is This is an age where they might really capitalize on their full potential. But, yeah, I, I think this guy is going to be, like, a no-brainer for me if he mm-hmm. stays in the lineup. Uh, like you said, you'd like to see more bats around him, but still he's going to be at the top of the order. And um, I, I'd i like to think maybe he's coming out with a chip on his shoulder, too. He probably never does any good to try to get into the psychology of it. But um, let's see him come out. Hopefully he doesn't reach. But uh, I say must-add. That's my opinion. Those are my two cents. He's a guy that I was actually a little surprised some people didn't jump on two weeks maybe before he came back just to have him and stash him. Um, I think he's that. I think his potential is that good that maybe you just sacrifice a, a, a roster spot for a couple weeks to have him, and now he's back and it might be too late. But he's not necessarily on everybody's radar yet, so I think he is available someplace. Can you see what's his availability in, in uh, Yahoo? Can you pull that up? I believe he was at 37% when I wrote the article on Sunday. Yep, and now he's at 40. So he's only dropped. He's only jumped 3%. Um, he's gone 0 for 8 so far, and he didn't do so hot at, during his rehab stint. But there, it's understandable that he'll have some rust, and absolutely long term, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I'm not worried about any of that. I think he got a couple of hits today. Actually, he might have had a double header. So he's yep. got his got his first he's got his first taste of wood on ball um, and hopefully he runs with it from there so go grab him a couple other guys we want to talk about from the waiver wire article royce lewis so you know me and you know the type of profile i like to go hunt for and gobble up and it's prospects who had a little bit of a road bump or an injury or something the shine is off of them and now they're getting more of a chance again so why don't you give us a little context and tell us why we should be interested in royce lewis yeah, uh, just writing my article this week was pretty fun because uh, I write about the best players under 50, 40, 30, 20, and 10%. And I had George Kirby, Royce Lewis, Juan Yepes, and Alec Thomas as like my favorite pickups of the week. And four, four, those four guys were making their debut last week. So exciting stuff. 
in terms of Roy Lewis, he is the former number one overall pick in 2017. And yeah, he missed all last year with an ACL tear. And even in 2019, he, like you said, he didn't have the best season. So it comes into this year. People are, are, you know, forgetting about him a little bit, you know, still on people's radars and dynasty and everything. But uh, he just was tearing it up at AAA with a really promising 16% walk rate. So that that's something that he hadn't done in his career. He was more around 7% and 993 OPS, which was good for a 166 WRC+. So really uh, smashing the ball. He had three home runs, and while he's not going to like be a game changer in terms of home runs this year, uh, he does project to be, which is interesting. So if you're in a dynasty or something like that, he's, he projects to be a power hitter. Fangraphs has him at um, raw power of 60 or 70. Um, so, you know, that's an elite prospect ranking for, for power. Uh, but anyway, he had eight steals in AAA, and I think right away you're going to get a guy who's going to help you in in average and steals and and chip in with power and generally too i think correct me if i'm wrong but there's things you probably don't count on translating from the minors to the majors but walk rate tends to be pretty sticky right if you're walking a lot you tend to be able to yeah. carry it over and steals too i think and they say tough. yeah and they say walk rate stabilizes quickly because if you're walking it's a decision that you made sort of um, it's it's something that is quickly stabilized as opposed to batted ball data, which needs a lot of sample size. That makes sense to me. I think he's an exciting choice. And you mentioned he's, he's potentially got that elite power. And I think it goes without saying he's also got an elite baseball name. So that's another person I think, uh, you know, I love those guys. I love the guys that were super hyped up, had a little bit for whatever reason, the shine comes off and they're they're really start to show their potential. And it's fun to root for those guys too, with the human element. So another person I wanted to talk about, that's probably a little bit of the opposite of a Royce Lewis, where there was a lot of shine on him to begin with. And that's going to be Jorge Mateo. Um, so obviously he's not exactly going to light the world on fire with his bat, but we are talking about somebody who already has nine stolen bases, nine, which is pretty remarkable in this short part of the season. Do you think we can expect to see more bases? Do you think we can expect to see more stolen bases, I should say? Can we expect to see more playing time? And can he keep that average around 240, do you think? You know, is he going to, especially right now, as we talked about, where batting average is low across the league, having somebody that's going to get you nine stolen bases and at least maybe play consistently and not hurt you in average and maybe, maybe tread water and runs, um, do you think he's somebody worth rostering? And do you think he's better than, say, maybe a, a comparable thing like a, a Robbie Grossman, say? The, he's the type of guy who I don't always roster, but he's somebody who I've rostered this year because I really do think that he's going to steal a shit ton of bases. Like, we could be talking about 50 or more. Um, and I think that he has a great chance to lead the league unless Julio Rodriguez, Julio Rodriguez leads the re- league right now with 10. And Mateo has nine. If Julio Rodriguez keeps going at this pace, that would be really remarkable. Because um, he wasn't, I mean, he is fast and he's shown good sprint speeds, but he wasn't expected to do this. Like Julio Rodriguez, sorry to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but uh, 
if he puts up this, these type of steals and does with the bat what he was expected to do, what he is expected to do, then he's going to be a first rounder like next year. Um, and he was someone who was like picked around 200. But anyway, the interesting thing about Robbie Grossman is that he's he hasn't homered yet this year, and he he's stolen only one base, which was a couple no about a week ago. And um, it's just hard to roster someone like that, right? So just with Robbie Grossman, I was big on him last year. He was somebody who I liked and rostered for most of the year, and he just accumulated. You know, it didn't always look pretty, but he just kept getting homers and steals and ended up with a 2020 season. If this year, hey, it could come. It could come as soon as you know tomorrow. He could he could hit a homer and have a have a steal, and suddenly his line looks a lot better. But it's really hard to roster that right now, right? When you just have a guy who hasn't showed the power or the speed that he did last year. It just there's there's other guys on the waiver that are just more enticing that you kind of can say, hey, I can if I pick up Mateo, I know I'm gonna get like three steals this week. You know, you know that. You know what it comes with and based on your your if you're doing well in steals, then you don't need somebody like Mateo to uh, push down your other numbers. But if you have a certain makeup where you're like, I need these steals because I have, say, 13 and the the leader in the league has 30, I need to catch up, then Jorge Mateo is somebody that you absolutely should roster. Yeah, I, I tend, I maybe even, maybe I do it too much, but I just tend to really value those guys that can get you, you know, 20, 30 stolen bases when otherwise, you know, like this year, the way I drafted, I tried to draft with a lot of guys that are going to go out and get me 10 and not sacrifice me, you know, not punt on, on that category, but I didn't really have that world, you know, that guy who's going to light the world on fire with his feet. So uh, maybe I'm not being patient enough, but I'm just looking at the stolen base category and seeing myself kind of trailing too much. And I just really wanted to get somebody that's going to go out and do it. So I think, I think he's probably got a, a good chance at playing every day consistently. And um, it's always fun to have players on that squad. <laughs> I don't know why I feel that way, but, it's a team that if I can find somebody like who's their reliever right now, that's getting saves, but he's been pretty cool too. At least he's rosterable. I don't know. He might Jorge be, Lopez, right? Yeah. He's yeah. one of those guys that like, you know, people at the early in the season too, people don't necessarily want to maybe drop people from their lineup. So you might be able to get an easy save source. And normally when you look at saves, you can find a couple of guys that are on teams that aren't winning a lot. So their chances at saves aren't as high. A lot of times those guys have bad stats outside of saves. They're not very good. They're not getting strikeouts. They're hurting your ERA and they're hurting your whip. But I think Lopez is a guy that is actually pitching well and catching a decent amount of save opportunities, um, even with a bad team. So another person on the Orioles that you might want to look at, um, just to digress a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. When I write my waiver wire articles, if there's a closer who's rostered under 50%, they are valued really high by me like I'm putting them at the top of the article and there's been guys this year who have popped up like that like Jorge Lopez like Tanner Rainey Anthony Bender is another guy who has gotten a lot of saves for the Marlins I dropped Bender I was so pissed he he had a little bump in the road and I dropped him and then he went and got like three saves and I was pissed to myself but that's the type of guy that I'll be quick to cut if they start to underperform you know because it's not like Hendricks or something where hey it's a bump in the road but they're going to be fine you know and I'm yeah for that and no I picked up Bender when I, I'm in this league where like saves just are so hard to come by and it's like this every single year it feels like 
and somebody dropped Bender when it didn't seem like he had the closer job anymore. I picked him up, and he saved four games in five days. It's probably exactly when you dropped him, right? Yep, I imagine it is, yeah. <laughs> and how often does that happen? Four games in five days with a team like the Marlins, who are they're, they're probably like 500-type team? They probably you know? haven't had a guy get – they probably haven't had four saves out of five games, period, in the past two years, um, yep. regardless if it was from four different you know closers or two guys doing it in conjunction with one another. So, yeah, that's a rarity. Um, let's jump on to breakout. So a um, couple folks we want to talk about just in general that have been surprising people and, and breaking out, like the Thin Lizzy song. Tonight there's going to be a jailbreak. Um, and then they, they do the breakout as if they're breaking out of the court. So I think it's probably called Jailbreak Act. Might be the name of the album, too, when I think about it. But it's a classic. And for those folks who are Thin Lizzy head, go listen to Thin Lizzy. Um, Phil Lynott is his name, the lead singer of Thin Lizzy. He passed away, but he was a very proud Irishman, and it's an excellent band. Go listen to it. But, uh, yeah, so let's do Breakout. So who do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about Manny Margot. He just had one of the best weeks that you're going to see, especially for fantasy purposes. He batted 484 with three home runs and four stolen bases. Problem is, he tweaked his hamstring yesterday, so we're still waiting on whether that's serious, if it's going to require an IL stent. But he's somebody who's, um, it's early going, but his stat cast numbers look good. His expected batting average is very high. Uh, he doesn't strike out. And he's really got that eagerness and willingness to steal bases this year, which is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, I love it. And I think he's a guy that I've, I've wanted to see break out. And uh, obviously it's early in the season and stuff. But like you said, there's certain things that, Generally, you might like like you said with walk rates. I think if you have a willingness to steal, and you have the opportunity to get and play every day, obviously there you might go a few weeks without a steal, and then you might see three in a row or whatever. But generally speaking, if they're showing a willingness to steal, it's probably going to continue. And then I think traditionally it slows down a little in the back half of the season. We didn't generally tend to see, but I think that's exciting, and it's another source of stolen bases. So I think that's a fun person to root for and, and somebody that uh, everybody just keep an eye on and then don't sell high, would you say? Or do you think, you know, you think just keep him and you think he's going to keep doing it? Keep him as long, you know, as hopefully this doesn't require an IL stent. Keep him because I feel like his value in a trade is not going to equal the value that he's going to give you. Uh, yep. I, you might have a guy in your league who's like, oh, I really like Manny Margot. I just listened to you down with OBP podcast. But there's going to be a lot of people who are like uh, him whatever. But I think that ex- the expected batting average being high is really promising because, you know, we're going to talk about those batting average guys a little later. And he full well deserves to be in that conversation because he's in the 98th percentile and expected batting average. And I just feel like he's going to help you in that category. He doesn't strike out. He's making good contact. Um, so definitely a hold, uh, especially if he doesn't go on the IL. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is the the home runs don't stay. Hey, maybe you can get somebody that just surprises you with five, six more home runs than you thought he was going to hit and give you consistent stolen bases and help you in batting average, which if the trend continues, is going to be a big deal. uh, And that's why we're going to talk about batting average risers in a little bit. One breakout I want to talk about, because I have him in a couple of leagues, is uh, Jeremy Pena. So I love it. I read an article on him uh, that The Athletic put out 
that was just kind of a fun one to read about with um, the mentorship he had at the position with um, Correa, you know, and um, Correa couldn't talk nicely enough about him as a player. And um, I still haven't got a chance to watch him yet. I just have him um, in in my leagues, but um, I got to watch a, a West Coast game over there. What are your thoughts on Jeremy Pena? Do you think he's going to be able to keep it up? I mean, he's a rookie and he's playing like one of the best players in the league, to be honest. The the power is exciting, you know, six home runs and uh, 495 slugging. That's exciting. I think his like stock was down right as the year began because people thought Correa was going to resign there and he didn't obviously went to Detroit. And so Pena's stock rose after that, but didn't probably didn't rise enough. These are his WRC pluses. Uh, in the minors oh, uh, over since 2019, 138, 146, 152, and last year, AAA, 126. So he was never worse than 26% above league average at any stop in the minors since 2019, and yet showed power in the minors and also stole some bases. So even though he only has one stolen base so far, if the Astros let him run, I, I'm not sure what. I don't think they wouldn't allow him to run. Uh, he could reach closer, you know, he could reach five or 10 chip yeah, in there. You know, I read this article on him and uh, it was a fun article. If anybody can go hunt for it. And one of the things, one, he's got baseball pedigree. So his old man was a baseball player and he, they talked to his dad and it's like, he, he would be in a league with the older kids always. And he's just always bawling. And his, he's just kind of, you, know, you just, it's one of those articles you just read where he, he almost sounded like a Julian Edelman type where like he just is constantly working. His coaches all love him. Like he might, it might not come naturally, but somehow he's just like willed his, his power. And, and he's not that, I guess he just, even like speed, like he's just been working on his speed. He's been working on his stolen bases and he's going to get playing time every day because he's got power, but he's also a hell of a fielder. So you don't have to really worry about his position there, I don't think, especially, like you said, with it freeing up for him. And he's got six home runs, 15 RBIs, 16 runs, one stolen base, um, batting 242, so he's not killing you there. He might he might sell out for power a little bit, but and I don't know if those stats count tonight where he got another couple RBIs as of, um, what is it, the 10th or something. So uh, I just think, like, just seeing this guy's 24 years old, obviously, you know, he might slow down and, and a lot of these guys, when they come out hot, you know, they hit that rookie wall that we see year in and year out. But um, for a breakout, I just think he's like a really exciting one to, to talk about. He's the kind of guy that, you know, you can get kind of amped up for. Just checked on uh, StatCast, 96 percentile sprint seed. So if he starts stealing bases, uh, he should have some success. Oh, that- one other thing I would say is, again, this is anecdotally because, like I said, I haven't got a chance to really watch him too much absolutely mashes and apparently he's been mashing in like super important circumstances you know he's been super clutch he's been hitting game winning home runs and then i think maybe it was him that during the game his first home run he had his first major league home run and um and i think they might have been interviewing his dad the other the last thing i want to say about jeremy pena is I still don't think he's batting high in that batting order. So 15, 16 RBIs and you're batting seventh or eighth. If he can force his way into maybe, you know, top five or six, uh, maybe he starts seeing some more RBI opportunities too. Just something to keep an eye on there too. I, I think he's going to continue to hit. Yep. 
but uh, let's let's jump around just so we can be economical with everyone's time. We patched a couple guys together, and you touched on Julio Rodriguez in the Manny Margot bit there. Do you want to touch on him a little bit more, or do you want to jump to some pitchers? Yeah, Julio Rodriguez already said 10 stolen bases, started out 6 for 44, and since then he's uh, he's had an 881 OPS. So, like I said, he's turning it on and could be a first-rounder next year. Yep, yep. All right, so let's talk pitching. So we we kind of put this broadcast together for everybody, and we were looking at a couple different guys, and we said, hey, let's lump them together. Let's kind of do a three-for-one deal because we think they kind of share some DNA with one another or circumstance with one another. Um, and those three guys are going to be a Garrett Whitlock, a Ryan Helsley, and I am going to let you take a crack at the third one. <laughs> I think Joan Duran. So um, these are three guys that we think have awesome counting stats as far as ERA, whip, Ks, and they're in circumstances that might not necessarily mean that they are getting wins, quality starts right now, or saves. But they're a type of player who, funny enough, is in front of Ryan Helsley right now. Um, as far as getting saves, who's been in this category before, and we've talked about ad nauseum because we like these guys and we think they have value if they're getting strikeouts and they're helping your ERA and your whip go down. But that would be uh, Giovanni Gallegos, um, who was looked for a minute like he might be leaving the door open a little bit for that save situation, and he started to pitch better. But if Ryan Helsley keeps pitching the way he is, maybe we start looking at maybe them splitting saves or something like that. But um, these three guys are all people that I think as the season goes on might start to get that all sought after, you know, other counting stat as far as your fantasy league, if it's a win, quality start or a save. So um, let's just jump what we had in front and do Garrett Whitlock. Even though he is on my beloved Red Sox, Mick, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. And why don't you let us know why he's somebody we should be paying attention to? Yeah, uh, he's got a .69 whip. Very nice. Um, 1.25 ERA and 29 strikeouts in 21.2 innings. They're, they're stretching him out. He's a starter right now, the Red Sox are. He's pitched uh, in, in his last three starts. He's pitched three innings and then five innings and then back down to three innings in his most recent start today, which which didn't go too well, I guess. I think that this is a guy who is that hybrid of what we were sort of talking about earlier about this this new breed of pitcher this elite type of arm who may not always go six innings so a guy like Garrett Whitlock yeah I would say uh, gets a downgrade in quality starts leagues right but he is absolutely going to give you elite ratios or should give you elite ratios nothing's guaranteed and just the cherry on top is that he was a rule five pick from the Yankees the Red Sox (laughs) got him as a rule five pick and for him uh, to go on to have this success, success pretty immediately is pretty funny. I mean, this is his second year with the Sox. Yeah, and anecdotally, I would say just, um, and you know me, and some people might pull their hair out and say, shut the fuck up. But um, because I think that you got to go with the statistics, especially the way fantasy baseball is going. And, and I believe in the statistics and everything else. But I test his shit is awesome. So fun pitcher to watch. And um like you said, too, maybe more so than a past version of Giovanni Gallegos, where if you're not getting holds, he's not getting you the saves, but he's giving you the strikeouts, the whip, and the RA. I think um, Whitlock is also going those stretchy innings. So even if he's not getting you six innings, you know, if you're doing uh, 1.25 ERA over four innings, 
that's going to help your ERA out in general more so than just over one. It doesn't take four nights to get you those, you know, count you those stats. He does it all in one one bulk thing there. So I, I just tend to think that he's he's definitely an undervalued guy. And um, it's if if not, go out and get immediately. It's mark him, keep him on your radar, see if maybe they stretch him out to six here if it's a quality start league there. Um, you know, but um, I I think he's somebody that passes the eye test. I think he's somebody that has had his position, like you said, change from middle relief guy. And who knows what the hell the Red Sox are going to do with him, if they're going to bounce him around. I know there's varying opinions on that, but it looks like, you know, especially as we get later in the season, you'll probably hear people talk about, hey, you know, the well's a little bit dry. What are we looking for here? And we kind of maybe have an idea for the most part of what people can bring to the table. And you have to look at other factors like, hey, is their circumstance changed? You know, are they getting more at bats? Has somebody gotten hurt and now their path to getting at bats has changed? Or if there are they getting that saves now all of a sudden in him, it would be, hey, or he, is he getting starts? Um, so I think that's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Um, and then to jump to, to Ryan Helsley, um, he's just another guy that has been absolutely throwing um, just awesome shit. And um, do you think he's going to have a chance to get some saves in that St. Louis Cardinals uh, rotation or, or, you know, bullpen, I should say? I think it's a situation where it's not that guy guy isn't comfortable in his job. It's that they like Helsey to go multiple innings sometimes, and there's just going to be a certain uh, certain situations where Helsey comes in in the in the eighth of an inning and just goes the ninth too. I really I really see that as a possibility. And if if they want to stretch him out to three innings, they could do that too. But I see him as that kind of guy who. Um, is just going to get some saves, kind of like Joan Duran, uh, who's very similar. This new uh, type of pitcher who's pitching two to three to four innings, um, and you know, pitching twice a week at most. But this type of pitcher that we're seeing, and and I and I would guess that it would give your team some more flexibility about, okay, we need a starter. We know that this guy can go a little extra. Does he take a couple miles per hour off the fastball? Maybe, but he's still you know stretched out even if he's not going to be the that elite guy that goes two innings. Um, with Helsley, do you know what Helsley's uh, whip is right now? I'll pull it up for you. It's freakish. Let's no, see. I mean, just guess. Just guess. <laughs> well, now, you know, I don't, I'll put me on the spot. I'll say... Um, point, Ten innings. I'll say 0. 0.5. 0.1. His K Holy percentage shit. is 64 0.5% and his whip is 0.1 in 10 innings. I've never seen that, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that, but obviously it's not going to stay that way. And the interesting thing about Helsley is that he wasn't much of a strikeout pitcher before this year. But when a change is made, you know, a change is made and with with these reliever guys, they can pop out of nowhere to be to be elite. Uh and and Helsley, that's what's happening with him this year. Who was the pitcher on um, the Brewers when they had that filthy bullpen that would get the holds instead of the saves? It was just insane. Was it Hater, maybe? Yeah, I mean, it was Hater. And for a long time, Hater was, yeah, pretty much that guy that we're talking about, like the Juan Duran, the two-inning guy, whether it's the sixth and the seventh inning, seventh and eighth, sometimes eighth and ninth. And now Hater is more of like your standard classic closer, 
classic closer. But uh, yeah, I yep. think these guys you gotta like like right now looking at Helsley, you see twenty Ks to ten innings too. So he's averaging. Especially, I think you need him to bring the the the. If he keeps up with the Ks, then it's gonna make up for the fact that he might not get you the saves. But if he's if he's got a zero ERA, a point one WHIP, and two Ks per inning then I think he's rosterable regardless of if he's going to be getting too many saves and he'll probably get you a handful of saves too in the package deal. Um, and, and Duran, um, you want to just touch on him. I, uh, my biggest thing with him is he's probably a top five pitcher to watch as far as fun to see the kind of stuff that he's thrown out. How fast does he throw? I saw the other day, he was just pitching like one Oh two, one Oh two, one Oh three, just like, yeah. I think I saw in consecutive like pitches. Miles an hour, yeah. Yep. Duran has a really good fastball. Yeah, he's maxed out at one 103 this year uh, and averages 100. You know, no big deal. And he's uh, also got a splitter that's uh, that's been good for him. He's kind of had he has a, a lot of pitches for uh, for a reliever. Uh, I mean, that's because he's not a reliever. He's a starter. He's a guy who can go three anywhere from two to four innings. Uh, and, and yeah, he's picked up, what, two or three saves now. Uh, so a really uh, similar situation to Helsley. Not to say that uh, you know either of these guys is going to continue to be as dominant as they've been, but they're going to help you. There's only there, you can only go down from their numbers, right? And that's not necessarily. I mean, like obviously, you wish that wasn't the case, but even with them going down, they're still probably rosterable in most leagues. So let's jump on to we've talked about the positive side. Who's doing really well? Let's talk about who is shitting the proverbial bed. So there's a lot of players right now that have been playing terrible. I feel maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's a lot more underachievers right now than there are overachievers. And I feel like all of them decided to get together and say, hey, let's get on James's fantasy team. <laughs> um, so let's just talk about a few names. And we don't want to talk too much on the negatives, but... Let's just run through a few names. Let's run through a few numbers and let's run through. Is this going to continue or do we see light at the end of the tunnel? Um, so one guy, I think both of us immediately said, hey, let's talk about is going to be Marcus Simeon. Um, so he's playing poorly. Yep. And do you, you, I know you, I'm on team Simeon and I know you have been down on him. Is this you saying, hey, I expected this. He's going to continue. Obviously, he's going to play better than he's playing right now at some point. But do you think that it's the new ball? You know, do you think it's the ballpark? Do you think it's just that he had a freakish year like sometimes people do and he's going to revert to form? Or where are you at in terms of what you expect from Marcus? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I, I really don't know, to be honest. But Simeon, yeah, he's a guy who I was like very bluntly out on before 2021 and then in 2021 he signed with the blue jays and i was like didi gregorius is better i actually said that that's really sad <laughs> um uh, <laughs> but Simeon had only had one year in his career up to that point where he had a wrc plus over 99 so the previous year he had it was like a 130 and that was with the a's he had a really good season and then in 2020 he had another bad season and then in 2021 with the uh, Blue Jays, he had over 40 home runs. You know, I think it was 45, right? Just yep. absurd. He's not somebody who I drafted this year. Uh, I didn't end up with him. 
because uh, again, I guess I just wasn't sold on him a little bit because of the change to the to the Ranger Stadium. But maybe you shouldn't listen to anything I say because I thought Didi Gregorius was better than him. And um, but yeah, Simeon. So as we are now, if someone offered me Simeon in a trade where I kind of you know get him for way below what he was drafted at, then I would be interested because I don't think Simeon has just dropped off the face of the earth. Uh, he's right now he's batting 178. Zero home runs, two steals. Uh, I think that someone, he is someone who is going to ultimately help you in steals, help you in home runs, be fine in average, maybe a little below average. And that's somebody who needs to be on your team right now. Um, so I guess that's my optimistic way of saying that he, I wouldn't cut him. I would not cut him. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I think it's hard to cut somebody that year prior let's you mentioned how many home runs he hit but let's just break down all his stats for a minute here last year do you know what he did let's listen to this it's fucking freakish he had 45 home runs he had 102 rbis he had 115 runs and he had 15 stolen bases while giving you decent batting average at 265 so it's an mvp type season right it's an mvp so i don't think you can just cut bait on something like that I do think that that, like you said, you mentioned, you know, Mick, as everybody knows, when you listen to podcasts, he doesn't say, hey, my gut says this. You know, he looks at the peripherals. He looks at different things. And he said, hey, I don't think this is a guy that's going to do it again. And he's not doing it again right now. But, hey, if he gets you 30 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 90 RBIs, 80 RBIs, you know, you're still talking about a, a really – elite type player um i think um so somebody to keep a you know an eye on i'd say definitely don't sell him while he's undervalued like this don't cut him um and uh i mean if you get somebody that's big on him maybe do it but i don't think we're gonna see 45 home runs in 100 plus rbis again i mean i can't imagine it now he's got a lot of ground to cover but um i think he's somebody that is still going to be a good player um, another underperformer I wanted to mention just because I am looking at some statistics this evening and he is starting to play better is Justin Turner. So Justin Turner always sucks at the beginning of the season, apparently. And, um, he's old as dirt, right? How old is he? He's maybe 30, 37, maybe 37, 30. Yeah. I was going to say 38, but that sounds crazy. And he went uh, four for five tonight with a couple RBIs, I think. And I think in general, he's put together one or two decent nights. It's still very dreadful stuff that we're looking at. Yeah, he's 37 years old. And uh, do you do you think, hey, he's old, this is the time when he's bad? Or do you think he's going to pick it together and it's just another slow start for him? He was dropped in one of my leagues. Um, yeah, people probably aren't dropping Semyon, but that Turner is being dropped. Jesse Winker was dropped in one of my leagues. Dansby Swansman, Swanson has been dropped in uh, one or two of my leagues. So these guys, they do get dropped. And when they do, nine times out of ten, it's smart to pick them up. I did pick up uh, Turner, but I think I I ended up dropping him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, four for five today. What, two doubles? That does make you feel a little bit better, huh? Or three doubles. He yeah. Three doubles today. Yeah. It makes you feel a lot better. And I guess, you know... I love the guys that historically start slow, and if they get dropped, even it's a lot harder to say, "Hey, go get him when he's 37 years old." But um, yeah, I I've hung on to him. I have him because, like I said, if you have a list of the underperformers, I've probably got them on my team. 
and I think keep it up. And then third base, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a, a decent third baseman. You know, it's a pretty dire uh, position, um, yeah. I think. Um, it has been for me in my leagues. It's it's hard. Like, thankfully, in Yahoo, Wander Franco is a third baseman, and I have him in one league. But the other league, Alec Bohm has been like a godsend uh, because before that, uh, trotting out Ryan McMahon every day. And you know, you know, James, I hate Ryan McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hate Ryan McMahon too. Yeah, so I'd say, hey, somebody maybe buy low on, you know, if you can take a flyer out on him, don't maybe get rid of somebody that you have a little more faith in. And then, uh, so just a couple other guys, we don't want to focus too much on the negatives, but um, I wanted to ask you about Reese. What the hell's going on with Reese Hoskins? Yeah, I feel like one thing about this conversation with Reese, with Simeon, with Turner, Justin Turner, his his exit velocities are down. Um, are there certain people who are being affected by the ball more? Is, is there a certain profile that's being affected by the ball more? When you think about guys like Justin Turner and Reese Hoskins, you think these guys are fly ball hitters. Is the new ball affecting fly ball hitters because they're really getting under it and it's dying on the warning track? You know what I mean? It's just it's a little bit hard to figure out who to fade because of the new ball and everything. But I think it does stand a reason that um, someone like Reese Hoskins, who is relying on a certain thing, like a pulled fly ball, um, if his launch angle is too high, that maybe uh, he is being negatively affected by the new ball. And I'm not saying cut Reese Hoskins, probably. I do think that a guy with an 853 OPS is going to turn it around. I mean, that's really good, 853 OPS. He's got Citizens Bank Park, which is a hitter's park. As it gets warmer and more humid in Philly, he definitely will hit homers into those rose bushes right over the left field wall. So I do see that it's possible that the new ball is affecting him, but I would hold and expect better things. Yeah, I mean, do you think if it when do you think we're going to start seeing people dropping him for people that might want to go scoop him up? I mean, he's pretty dire. His numbers are pretty dire. He's batting seventh in the lineup right now. Um, you know, in another week or so, he might start to show up on your waiver wires, I think. Yep. I think so. Um, and a sort of another reason to like these guys um is that in a way their worst is behind them. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It wasn't on your roster. I mean, unless it was like Justin Turner for you. But in, <laughs> but in terms of picking these types of guys up, their worst is probably behind them when they get dropped. Wouldn't you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think Reese Hoskins is going to, this is going to be his base was bottom his trench as far as his stats you know yeah. he's not going to hit 200 and be batting seventh in the lineup all year i think they're going to bounce him back in that yep. lineup i think that lineup's got a lot of power and it's a good lineup to be in when you're actually performing and i think if he does get dropped it's somebody worth scooping up um, Absolutely. Even, even with the fact that that position might have a surplus of power those are some guys who did you want to talk about anybody else that's underperforming at the moment we just have to have the obligatory uh, discussion about Joey Gallo. We don't have to make it, you know, too long. But, yeah, Joey Gallo is underachieving again. Um, 183 average is not anything we haven't seen before, but the 324 slug. Ay, ay, ay. He's another am, high fly ball guy. I am finally maybe ready. <laughs> I, I immediately qualified <laughs> with a maybe. 
Um, I think I might cut bait on Joey Gallo. You know me. I love Joey Gallo, and I I think wow. we've been talking about oh Joey goodness. Gallo forever. He's probably the the most common piece of DNA from ep one to this episode. And shit, if it keeps happening, we might not be able to keep talking about Joey Gallo. Oh, my goodness. This is a momentous occasion on the You Down With OBB podcast. James might be out on Joey Gallo. I know, I know. I don't want to. I don't want to admit it. it. It kills me on the inside. You know, part of my soul is dying and withering like a grape left out in the sun. Um, but, geez, <laughs> he's been bad, and he's, he's been bad. Head. Yeah, hate the you, Yankees. Yeah, I mean, the short porch. You would think it's set up for him perfectly. Anthony Rizzo's doing just fine. Anthony Rizzo is crushing homers. Joey Gallo, 324 slug. Yeah. Crazy. I think I think he's I think drop Joey Gallo if you have him and hope nobody else picks him up. And if you see if you see a week where he starts to get hot again, maybe scoop him up. So I'm not ready to fully quit him. <laughs> not off my radar. I'm like an abused ex. I always come back not to make light of that. And I think I think I'm ready to say, Joey, I don't want you on my team right now. But if you get your shit together and quit drinking, I'll let you back in. Uh, you'll sleep on the couch for a while. You know, it's going to be a trial period. You're going to show me that you've grown as a person. But yeah, I don't think I think Joey Gallo. Uh, I think I'm always going to run hot on him, whether it's passion or disdain. It's not going to be, what do they say? I think we've talked about it in the past. It's not um, hate that's the opposite of love. It's indifference. Um, So I'll never be indifferent to Joey Gallo, Mm -mm. but I I may hate him. (laughs) Yeah, but love him. Yeah, I mean, he's he's lovable. I can't stay mad at him, but maybe get him out of pinstripes. Give him a change of scenery. Get him on the Orioles or something. But uh, yeah, Joey Gallo, we, 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 have an, we have an obligation to our listeners. I hope our viewership doesn't just, our listenership doesn't just drop because I think at sometimes maybe it's just made up of Joey Gallo fans. Um, but uh, I think we might have to cut him soon. I mean, you know, and I, if he keeps wow. it up, like we don't want to, we'd be doing a disservice to our constant viewer listenership if we kept talking about joey gallo but nothing has changed you know he just keeps sucking um no one wants to hear us talk about joey gallo sucking every episode right so i hope i really hope he turns it around i think he's got the tools to turn it around the days of me hoping that maybe we'll see another 230 or 240 season are gone um as far as batting average is concerned i think we're going to be looking at the mendoza line as a as a goal (laughs) (laughs) But um, what do what are your thoughts? I mean, you were down on him to start the year, so you finally came down on Joey Gallo before I did, and I guess this probably is just you know making you feel better about the fact that you had to cut ties from him. You did it clean. You got a clean break. It doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make me feel no. It's not like a thing where I'm like told you so. Not at all. I want Joey Gallo to be successful. Um, I'm just I'm just speechless. Mark it down, folks. May tenth. 2022, the day James let the rooster die. He'll he'll hit four home runs next week, and I'll be back on Joey Gallo sauce. <laughs> but no, geez, I mean please. it could happen. It absolutely could happen that he is, uh, you know, very rosterable this year. But uh, it it is 
just for me, it's always been hard, just the, the average around 200 to stomach. And like you said, it doesn't seem like it's going away. So No, no, we'll see. Hopefully the weather gets nice and starts to hit some home runs and you maybe just ride the waiver wire, drop them, pick them up, drop them, pick them up and catch some when you, when you have some flexibility in your lineup. Um, so we'll leave that alone with the underachievers and then we will jump just to a couple things we want to talk about, which is batting average helpers. We started the episode talking about how bad the bats have been so far, averages, home runs dropping, uh, league-wide, slugging dropping lead-wide. Let's talk about a couple guys that might be able to help you. Um, Who do you want to talk about first? We already talked about Alec Bohm. If you need help in batting average, I think Alec Bohm is a solid place to go. Uh, We we talked about Manny Margot, another guy who uh, you can pick up. And another a guy that I would like to bring up is Boom Boom Mancini, uh, Trey Mancini, Trey Boom Boom Mancini, of course. He's only rostered in 54% of leagues. He has a career 270 average, and he's hitting 280 this year. And his underlying numbers say that the power should come. Uh, he only has one home run so far. But Trey Mancini is that, that type of guy who is going to be um, a power contributor for you in the long run uh, while, while uh, being good in average so i like those guys who aren't who aren't a hole in other places and help you with average yeah makes total sense to me and we've talked about it multiple times in the past that um he's an easy person to root for cancer survivor all-around nice guy everybody seems to love him you know seems to play the game the right way um a little bit of a spark plug energy gorgeous smile yeah um but uh yeah so i think uh, i love it i think he's a guy that can help you with batting average and like you said Hey, maybe, you know, he's a little slow on the home runs. He's not going to hit 40 home runs, but right. he maybe get 20 home runs out of yeah. a good batting average and a decent amount of RBIs. Yeah, honestly, um, I know people talk about the um, the uh, Camden Yards left field going out, and maybe that's going to take away a few home runs. But his underlying numbers, 10% barrel rate right on line with his average, which is a very good barrel percentage. Um, he's showing good exit velocities. His sweet spot percentage is 50%. He's hitting the ball on the sweet spot half the time. He's having good at-bats, uh, and he really just probably does deserve more home runs. So I do think that 25-30 is still in the realm of possibilities. Nice. That's good to hear. I, I love him, and I might go scoop him if I can get some flexibility in the lineup. Another guy I wanted to touch on here uh, when we're talking about some guys that might help you elevate the batting average is going to be Andrew Benatendi, a guy I love, and he's having a hell of a year. Yeah, Benatendi is somebody who you talked about at the beginning uh, of the year as a guy who's, you know, in his prime age. He's 27. Uh, He's somebody who helps you every single year in batting average. His career batting average is 276, so it definitely helps you there. And he just chips in uh, solid homers and solid steals. This year, he's not... Uh, hitting home runs yet, but uh, hitting 330, and he's really helped your team. There, there's he's somebody who's absolutely should be on your team, especially in this landscape where he he is really boosting your average in a in a time when so many people seem to be pulling it down on your rosters. I'm sure every person listening has guys hitting like proven guys hitting below the Mendoza line. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, not for nothing, and I don't think necessarily this is the case, but if everybody's batting shittier and he's batting well, who's to say that maybe when the weather gets nice, he doesn't bat even better? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, he's probably not going to bat 350, but maybe he can stick with 310, 315, 320, you know? Um, it wouldn't be insane for him to do that. Um, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case, but I could totally see Ben Attendee keeping it around 300 or plus um, yeah. you know, the rest of the year. And I think the home runs will come a little bit, and I don't think he's going to hit 40, but if he hits 15, 20 home runs, I think that's yeah. a lot what people would expect. And um, and like you said, I get some stolen bases in there too. He hasn't ran yet, but uh, maybe once the weather gets a little bit nicer and he's a little less tight, you know, get out there and steal you, you know, seven, eight bags. Yeah. He um, always does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's consistent. I think he's averaged six stolen bases the past three years. And that includes the um, 2020 season. Right. So, so yeah, I think he's another guy that I would, if, if you're, hurting and you have guys that you've hung on to like a Justin Turner or just lots of guys in general that are good that are batting what you would expect them to um he's definitely somebody that can help you which is why we have this as a category in the broadcast today was there anybody else you want let's talk about one more batting average riser who do you want to talk about for a batting average and then maybe just list off like three or four other guys that you had there too yeah um I really like the three names that we talked about Alec Bohm Trey Mancini and Andrew Benatendi, because I feel like, you know me, I don't like empty stats. I don't like those guys who get you one category but are hurting you in the other four. And I think with Bohm, Benatendi, and Mancini, like I said, you're going to get a really well-rounded profile. And I think in the cases of Bohm and Benatendi, the best is yet to come. So I think you're you're witnessing a breakout. Just the stats haven't quite been there yet. That's That's my pr- prediction for them. I guess one more guy I would mention is uh, Stephen Kwan. And obviously, everyone heard about Stephen Kwan in April. Uh, he lit the world on fire. He set records for starting off your career without a whiff. And his roster ship skyrocketed to almost like 90%. And it's back down to 59%. Uh, Stephen Kwan is one of those guys who will be pretty empty for sure in power. Although he did finally hit his first career home run. But I just see like Stephen Kwan being uh, like up there for the batting title. I just see that. Um, so I think that he is the type of guy who is going to hit 310, 320, kind of like a Jeff McNeil, who's also doing well this year. Another name on our list here. Um, so Stephen Kwan, Jeff McNeil, those guys, just to remind people who forgot because McNeil had such a bad year last year. Before that, in his career, he had never bat below 311 in a season. And this year he's batting 323. I just feel like Jeff McNeil uh, and Stephen Kwan just bring you something special with batting average. We're talking three, four standard deviations above the mean type guys. And I and I don't think there's that many of those guys out there. There's Wander Franco, but he's obviously rostered and not going anywhere. So guys who might be on your waiver wire. I know McNeil's on one of my waiver wires right now. Uh, I put in a claim for him. So Stephen Kwan and Jeff McNeil, I would definitely try to scoop them up if I could. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's not exactly jaw dropping, but uh, as you would expect for somebody that's getting on base in a nice clip because they're batting 300 plus, you've got 19 runs too. Quan does. So, um, yeah, it's a decent amount of runs too there. Um, awesome. So I think we hit most of what we want to hit on. 
Um, I wanted to ask you, and I deliberately put it at the end because I know sometimes people just want to hear us talk about who we should or shouldn't get, and they want to hear some advice. But anecdotally, or just I should say on a personal note, how do you feel about the league that you joined that we're in together this year? You, you like the league? You like your squad? Yeah, it's been awesome to be in a league with you for the first time ever. And that's been really cool. So I joined the the league with James that he's been in for for how long? Ten years? More? Ten years sounds about yeah. right. Um, and it's just the league that James has referred to on this podcast. Uh, it's what, five, five keepers or six keepers? Five keepers. Five yeah. keepers. And you can keep three minor leaguers, but you got to leave them in, in the minor league slot unless you bring them up, in which case you can't put them back down and they have to be a keeper if you want to keep them again. Yep. And uh, I had Wander Franco, the team I inherited from Jamie's brother, was in the minors. So basically I had six keepers because yep. I just called Franco up right immediately after the draft. No, it's been really fun to be in the league with you and see the moves that you make. You've been very active picking up closers, Jorge Lopez, Josh Stomont. Yeah, and I like my team. Um, Sal Perez, uh, Mookie Best, Ronald Acuna, Wander Franco. Those were some of the keepers. It was... Uh, Nice little team to take over. And uh, the one thing about this league that I kind of noticed, I don't know if you feel the same way. It's like there's three reserves, so um, there's less flexibility. Like you you really have to be like, okay, this is my team. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I and, like it. Yeah. <laughs> it I, like makes in, you have to make some hard choices. Yep, absolutely. And it's been really interesting. I feel like it took me a while to get it. and the other thing of being a quality starts league is making me adjust guys like Drew Rasmussen and Jordan Montgomery, who I have in another quality start league. I have both of them. It's made me think, okay, I, one thing that you can't have in this league is a platoon bat, you know, like uh, a guy like uh, Jesse Winker in years past. Now Jesse Winker pretty much plays against lefties, but you don't want a guy who's sitting like twice a week because it's lefties. You oh, want yeah. this team that is going to play every day because you just don't have that many reserves. And some of those reserves could be pitchers. Yeah, it's tough too. And you got to decide, Hey, do I want to roster, you know, and, and maybe, maybe it puts a priority on getting that catcher. That's going to actually bat every day. Um, you know, cause you're not going to carry a second catcher that, you know, to make sure you're getting your bats in there. So I like that. It, it forces you to make tough decisions and we talked and I've talked in the past about the podcast and Mick mentioned it in passing, but, I like it because I just cut ties fast with people. Mm-hmm. And and I, I have found success in the past of that. Obviously, there's swings and misses, too. But I think it forces you to be more active. And I like that. You know, obviously, you can have your team. It's almost one of those things when you're really doing really well, I start to get a little bit bored. And I, I get, uh-huh. itchy, you know, trigger finger. Um, and, I, and I almost like, ah, shit, I wish I could tinker with this more. So that's a downside. But when you're when you're trying to claw your way back up to the top and you're trying to figure it out, it forces you to be a little bit more active, which I like. I think you're going to see um, it'll be fun for you to get a sense of some of the personalities in the league, who offers you shit trades, who doesn't. Um, it'll definitely be active and it'll be fun to see the first trade season for you when people just completely blow up their rosters and, and people just completely sacrifice the future to get that much um, you know, desired uh, championship. Right. Uh, in the league so the, it's a fun active league i think you're gonna like it um and i like quality starts i hate i hate I, it's tough it, it's a lose-lose for me a little bit with 
with that statistic is, you know, as far as the Roto League is concerned or that category, because um, it sucks to see a guy pitch jam come out after five and two thirds innings and not get that quality start. But I think it's still better than, you know, um, wins. The, the stupid wins, you yeah. know. Um, yep. you know, or, or especially if a guy pitches a gem and doesn't get the win, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's a, a better way to do it, but it's a lesser of two evil circumstance for me with that counting uh, category. But yeah, I think that's a good note to end on Mick. It was fun to talk shop with you. I think that this episode packed a lot of good content in it. Um, for sure. And uh, I'm excited to see where the season goes. I'm excited to see where the trends go. I'm excited to see where the players we talked about went. And um, let's try to get another episode going for everybody. I think people were a little bummed out that there was as much time in between episodes as there was. I know a couple of people on Twitter mentioned it to us. So let's go ahead and get another episode in the next couple of weeks. And let's let's watch baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. Doing it. Let's get the weather nice and let's get... Uh, have you been out to a game on the West Coast yet? No, uh, I live in Sacramento. They do have the Giants AAA team, so I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna hit up some AAA games uh, this year, but not yet. Have you? No, I haven't gone yet. I'm trying to decide too if it's. I took the kid, the older son, to a game when he was a baby, which was perfect because you put little baby head, you know, noise canceling headphones or whatever you want to call them, you know, earmuffs on, and then he falls asleep, and that's easy now. Uh, he's four. I mean, I can, I'm obviously going to go without him, but um, I'm debating if it'd be worth it or not to take him to a game. The par- ballpark, Fenway Park, is actually awesome for kids. Uh, like, you go into right field, and, like, that section of the ballpark, you know, um, has, like, a bunch of restaurants, and, like, Wally's probably kicking around there. There's, like, a speed you know, a speedometer, you know, the kids uh-huh. go throw yep, so yep. fast they go. And, and, and just to, um, to give a, a shout out to the staff at Fenway Park, they're just awesome for the kids. You know, you stop at like the help desk or whatever you want to call, you know, the service desk and they'll like give them stickers and there's a place to put the um, stroller so it doesn't get taken. Um, so they do a good job of, um, of, of doing that, you know, um, and I, I, I feel like it still doesn't have that as much as it could Disneyfication either, you know, it, it's good for the kids, but it's also not kind of like a, a Disney park either, which some ballparks kind of have that feeling of now where it doesn't have any of that kind of authenticity to it. So I, I think it's not, I mean, you don't need to hear me tell you that Fenway Park is a cool place to go watch a baseball game, right? But um, I'm going to get to one soon. I'm excited for it. All right. Thanks for listening. As always, you can follow us at U Down with OBP with the letter U and go to our website, udownwithobp.com. All right, we'll catch you next time. I'm sorry, Joey. I'm sorry. Take me back. <laughs>